Hey, I don't know all of you, and that's exciting for me. My name is Bob Wood. I am the Executive Director of the Oregon Christian Evangelistic Fellowship, or OCEF Church Planters. That's the group that planted this church uh, in 1977, and uh, that's exciting. I, uh, it's good to be home. In fact, 30 years ago today, roughly this week, I had just started to be the pastor of this church, and I just turned 34 years old. What a, what a baby I was. And, uh, you know, but like I told my dad, you live long enough, you get old. There you go. And it's true. Hey, well, I'm excited to be here. Now, I'm excited to see you because I know we have family camp going on, and uh, so we've got a good portion of our, of our family up there, and we've got a good portion here. And thank you for coming at a different time than either of the other services. I'm not sure if you got here early thinking it was going to be the early or you just, in fact, we'll probably have some people wander in about 10 minutes thinking that services start at 10. And let's make sure that we all turn and look at them. And uh, <laughs> well, I am, uh, I'm honored uh, to have the opportunity to continue in this sermon series on Samson out of Judges. And it's the 16th chapter, if you have your Bible. And I'm going to give you a little bit of review, and then I'm going to jump forward, and I'm going to break all the rules because I can, because I live in another town, and I can... I'm going to sleep in my own bed tonight anyway. So that has been the joy of being the executive director of the OCEF. I'll tell you what. I've, ha I've had pastors and elders have me come in and deal with some... some really difficult things and they say how is it that you're you're, you're able to just dive in I said because I'm going to go home and sleep in my own bed tonight nobody knows where I live that's how that's how it works when you're the preacher of a local church everybody knows where you live you know where I live that is a little scary Carolyn so okay I'll, I'll, I'll somewhat behave hey let's let's recap some things about Samson. Now, I don't know how many of you remember Samson from when you were younger, if you went through Sunday school or vacation Bible school or watched movies, whatever. Samson is the guy that we know of for his great strength. And, and even before he was born, he was dedicated to God. God said he'll, he will have the Nazarite vow. That's something we don't do today. And basically, there are not a lot of rules with that covenant. Can't cut your hair, uh, can't touch anything dead, and can't play golf or something. I can remember the third one. But um, there, were, there were three things, and uh, he was born into that and violated all of them right out of the gate, except for the hair thing, which he waited later on to do that. But we know him as the man with great strength, and I love what Kurt said. I was here a, a couple of weeks ago when he started this series, which is a privilege for us because we're in so many different churches. But I was here. I got to hear him preach. And if you're a first-time guest with us, Welcome. You don't know what our real preacher looks like. You just, let me give you a hint. Picture me 30 years younger and 40 pounds lighter. Yeah, but you don't know that when you're sitting down there. You're all short when you're there. But, and, uh, but he said, I, I laughed. He said, you know, everybody thinks of Samson being this big bodybuilder. Well, where's the miracle in that? If he was that big, sure, he could destroy everybody. He probably, Kurt said, he probably looked like me. And then when he killed everybody and had all that strength, people said, oh, my goodness, God is awesome. 
So I, I, I thought that was a great illustration. So just so you know, this is what Samson would have looked like had he made it to 64. <laughs> right there. I always said the problem with a skinny guy gaining weight is I look like a python that swallowed a dog. But <laughs> try. That's the only problem. That, you know, there's several problems with having people wrapped all around you. First of all, you know how big my stomach is from the side and my nose. And you're having a hard time not paying attention to both right now. But try to pay attention to the Word of God, will you? All right, let's recap some things that were said about Samson. This is good stuff. He had incredible strength, outward strength, and he was incredibly weak inside. His self-control <laughs> blew chunks. He, now you're probably not supposed to say that. Um, he was very weak in the area of self-control. Samson knew he was strong. He had all of these things. The women liked him. All sorts of things were going on. And so he saw no reason to control himself in most areas of life that you and I learned at a young age. You do that, you get this result. He missed that somehow. Maybe because he was so strong, he was blessed by God. And as we're going to see in today's passage, God overlooked a whole lot of things. Because God had a plan, and he was willing to use even somebody like Samson to get there. And the good news for you and me is if God was willing to use somebody like Samson, he's willing to use us too. And I think that's good news for us. So in just by way of overview, you take a look at Samson. He, here, here were his struggles. He struggled with lust. He wanted it. He got it. He struggled with entitlement. He believed he deserved it. He was God's chosen. And he also struggled, and this, this is huge, and folks, this gets us today, pride. Somehow, we, we believe that we can handle it on our own. Pride. In fact, in this new job that I have over the last 15 years, one of the things that I do is I interview a lot of people who want to be preachers. We, we hire for, for to start new churches. We also recommend pastors for turnaround churches, churches that are struggling, that are ready to say, man, we gotta, we're either shutting the doors or, or we got to move forward. And when I recommend a preacher, one of the first things that I'm watching for and listening for now, and i got to be honest, this took me a while, but it's pride. What can we pick up on? Is this person doing what they do because they believe they're wonderful? Or because they believe God is wonderful and they can't believe that he chose to use someone like them. I think we're re really, really honored and blessed that we have Kurt for our preacher in that regard. He doesn't come across as prideful at all. Comes across funny once in a while. And I like that. And, and frankly... Probably the hardest part of this job for me when I first got started, Sherry can, don't say amen, just sit quietly, please. But uh, I just, ha in my own insecurities, I always said, well, if I could do this, anybody could do it. You know what? I found out later that was not true. <laughs> About the third hire I made and went, oops. Okay, well, maybe not everybody can do it. But I believe that God will empower those who want to move forward in him. 
and he will t go beyond our weaknesses, whatever it is. And I'm not just talking about preachers. I'm talking about being parents and grandparents, being godly leaders of those around us. Don't let pride get in your way. Well, Samson was led by his emotions and not by the Spirit. If he felt he should do it, he did. you know anybody like that sitting in your chair today? That, somet that sometimes makes decisions based on how we feel, not, about, not on what is right. And I think all of us have done it. I know all of us have done it. How do I feel? People come in for marriage counseling and, well, I'm just not getting anything out of this relationship. I just don't feel good. Well, there's your problem. You got into marriage thinking you're going to feel good all the time. Of course, I do. But, <laughs> but most, the reality is that you don't, have to, you don't have to always feel good. Have you made a commitment or not? And by the way, that's where we're going to get in as we go through this passage with all the downfall of Samson. He acted on how he felt, not on his covenant or commitment to God. There is a difference and there is a disaster waiting behind door number two. <laughs> there you go, let's make a deal. If you don't do what God has called you to do. Now, before we get going anymore, I, I always say, whenever I'm preaching or teaching or even just reading out of the Old Testament or the New Testament, you know, there's just some, there's some good interpretation things that we all need to do, and we need to do it every time we open the Bible, every time we read a text. The first question is, under which covenant was this written? Because, folks, there's a whole, and everything in the Bible is true. Everything in the Bible is God-breathed, inspired by God. But, folks, there's a whole lot in the Bible that's not written for you or me. This entire Old Testament People get so confused, they look at the God of the Old Testament and say, oh, he's not the God of the New Testament. Yes, he is, but the covenant is different. There was an old covenant between God and the Israelites. started with Abraham, picked it up with Moses and the, the law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. This was a contract or a covenant between God and the Israelites. It was primarily a physical covenant. The blessings were physical. You'll get the promised land. Your clothes won't wear out in the wilderness. But you will keep these commands. You will have the sacrificial system, and on and on and on. When was that? You know, we understand. I, we don't understand covenants very well, but we understand car payments. <laughs> it, it's the same thing, sort of. Every biblical and every well, and non-biblical, all covenants have at least three things, parties, terms, and promises. In the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the parties were God and the Israelites. The terms were not just the Ten Commandments. There's like 613 commands, the first ten written on stone. They were to keep these commands. And then, because they couldn't, God threw in the sacrificial system, and we're going to sacrifice a lamb or a dove or grain or whatever it happened to be for that particular sin, and we'll push those sins ahead until the contract is completed. Now, move this, move back over to your car payments. You go out and you borrow money from a bank. Who are the parties? You and the bank. What are the terms? Yes, you're going to make payments. Now, and then they make you two promises. And it always amazes me 
my wife being a banker of yesteryear, they can make you these promises and smile at both. The first promise is if you keep all the terms of your covenant, if you make your payments, what happens when that covenant matures? You get the car. You get the title. Of course, it's not worth anything by then, but you get it. It's awesome. And then they smile and they make you another promise. If you don't keep the terms, they're going to take it away. They're going to repo that thing, and it's not going to be yours. So if the bank has to repo your car because you didn't make your payments, was the bank not faithful or were you not faithful? Ah, you see, the bank would still be faithful because they kept their promise. See, people get confused about God. They think he's only faithful when he does what I want. <laughs> Are we going to be in a world of shock someday? <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I have no confusion about that. There's a reason they call him God, and they call me Bob. Try not to mix that up. <laughs> Nobody ever has. That's the funny part. All right, so in this covenant, you ask, under which covenant was this written? Okay, we're in Judges. What covenant is this written under? The old covenant. Now, when was the last car payment? When, when was the old covenant fulfilled and no longer in effect? Thank you. When Jesus died, rose from the dead, so that forgiveness of sins could be offered. Boom! Read the book of Hebrews. That's, that, that says, I think, three or four times the old covenant is void. It is completed. It doesn't mean that it's not true. And my goodness, this is why people get confused, though. They read the whole Bible as if everything there was for them. You know, even the words of Satan are recorded in Scripture. You might want to be careful. It's like the, the guy that said he was flipping through Scripture. Whatever I flip to today is for my, my benefit. Judas went and hung himself. Well, that can't be for me. Flipped again and said, go and do likewise. You see, <laughs> that would be a bad way of reading Scripture. You with me? But that's how some people read. Just, hey, this must be for me. You know what? The Old Testament is true, and it is a great picture if you want to see how God works within a covenant. He keeps his word. He extends grace. But at some point, as Samson found out, God's grace, I'm not going to use the word grace. The Old Testament word was the word chesed, chesed. We translate it faithfulness or mercy. God continues to reach out. Okay, I screwed up. God reaches out. I got you covered on this one. We screw up. You breach the covenant. You breach the covenant. You breach the covenant. And finally, God says, there is no covenant. You burned it. You tore it up. I've got nothing to hang on to anymore. That was how God worked in the old covenant. But in this new covenant of love and grace, same God, different covenant. Parties, those who will believe in Jesus and God. Terms, most people don't want terms, so they go right to the promises. Heaven, forgiveness of sin, eternal life, a great family. Ah, but you can't have the promises if you're not willing to take the terms.
But this is where a lot of people get confused. They think, well, I'm not going to, that's not enough time to get into everybody's confusion. Let me just say, here's, here's some terms. You need to be Christ-like. Be like Jesus. In what regard? You love God, and you love others. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think Jesus worded it pretty clear in Matthew 28. You go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And Oh, I've heard that passage misquoted so many times over the last few years. Go and make disciples, and teaching them all that I've commanded. <laughs> As if somehow you could just get smarter and smarter and get to heaven. And I, I know I've said this before, but some of you don't know me, so let me say it to you. There is no SAT test to get into heaven. He didn't say, and teaching them all that I've commanded. He said, teach them to obey all that I've commanded. Be faithful. Do what God has asked you to do. Because it's not a long list, folks. Love God. Love others. Be committed to God. It doesn't mean, that isn't the word to feel good about God. Be committed to God. Be committed to the success of others. How do you do that? Do everything you can to get other people to heaven. This life is short. <laughs> At 64, it's a whole lot shorter than it was 30 years ago. I'll just tell you. And some of you are looking at me like, oh, you're just a baby. Thank you. Your eyesight is obviously going first. Here's, here's our theme for this morning, then. I'm not, I'm not going to read this whole passage. I'm going to tell you that it's in uh, Judges 16, one, verses 1 through 22. I encourage you to go home and read that. Judges 16, 1 through 22. Let me give you the highlights. <laughs> this mighty judge of God. And by the way, the whole judge system was because the people were whining and complaining that they didn't have a king. <laughs> and never mind. Just like church, people are always whining about something. And uh, they were whining to God about not having a king, so he gave them a series of judges, and he gives them Samson. Now, Samson's main job is going to be to destroy the Philistine hold on the Israelites, by the way. And so Samson's job is to bust up the Philistines. It wasn't working too well, so God tells him to marry a Philistine woman. Would you think, oh, that's, no, that's wrong. That was his first sin. It's not a sin if God's telling you to do it. And how do I know God told him to do it? Well, it says it there, back up another chapter. Even Samson's mom and dad said, well, that can't be right. And then the passage says, not realizing that God was instructing him. Why did God have him marry a Philistine woman? When he's of the circumcised, the Jewish tribe? Because he needs to... He, he hasn't been doing his job. He's supposed to be in there ending the Philistine. Or actually, his job wasn't to end it. His was to kind of bust it up. We're going to end the Philistine hold later. You know, you, you read the Old Testament, you get to see how God, God's always working upstream in Samson's life and in mine and in yours. It's amazing how God knows everything and we don't. Well, what's going to happen in this chapter now is the first thing that happens is Samson continues, continues to breach the covenant with God. Now, he's got this Nazarite vow. He's also an Israelite, so he's got certain laws against fornication. <laughs> first verse, and he goes and sleeps with a prostitute. That would be called 
fornication. Gets done with that. It says a little while later, he's now sleeping with a gal named Delilah. This is not his wife either. So he's with Delilah. She must have been a hot babe because he goes brain dead. And she is working for the Philistines to find out what is his secret to his strength. And so like three times, he gives her, she says, I need to, if you love me. <laughs> Isn't there a song, witchy woman? Oh, never mind. I'll just go down. She's, she is bad, and she is luring him in, and he's an idiot. I'm sorry. If Samson were here today, I would call him an idiot, and then I would run for my life. Because he may be able to kill a thousand people with the jawbone of the ass, but it never said he was fast. My dad always said, you're going to have that mouth on you. You better be funny and fast. Really, it never was either. But, but he, he acts like an idiot. Because Delilah says, what's, what's the source of your power? And he, he tells her a lie. Oh, if I'm bound with new ropes. <laughs> yeah, he's... Philistines come in, he snaps the ropes, beats everybody up, kills them, and off he runs. Well, it, it's not actually new rope. It's got to be rope that's something or other. He gives her another second story. Now, fool me once, shame on you. If you're Samson, fool me ten times, I'm just excited to be with you. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to explain that. Because, again, she does it again. Different robes. The third time, he starts, it, it has something to do with his hair, the fourth time or whatever it is. He tells her, well, it's my hair. If my hair is cut, I'll lose my strength. So he, she, he sleeps. Oh, by the way, violating the whole Nazarite vow about alcohol, too, by the way. In a deep sleep, she cuts his hair. <clears throat> and he wakes up and it says he just assumes he'll be able to thrash everybody and run off like he always does. And... It says God withdrew his blessing. What on earth was God waiting for? Samson lied. I'm, let's go back. He touched dead things. As a Nazarite, you can't touch dead things or unclean things. That, I thought it was pretty funny. I didn't even remember the story. Kurt told it a couple of weeks ago. Samson killed the lion with his bare hands, didn't tell anybody, left the carcass there. And, and when he came back, a swarm of honeybees had put their hive inside this dead carcass. And he says, well, that's cool. And he pulls out a bunch of honey from the unclean dead thing. So this honey is now what? Unclean. And he takes it, he eats it, he takes it to his father-in-law, mother-in-law, others, shares it with them. He is in complete violation of his covenant. God had every right to pull his blessing and his strength right there, but he didn't. See, I want you to know, I know we're talking about Samson. This sermon has nothing to do with Samson. It has everything to do with God. That's what we're learning here. Samson violated. He breached, completely breached his covenant, and God had every right to pull all the blessing away from him. Have you, don't answer out loud, have you ever screwed up? Thank you for all laughing. What a silly question. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
But even after we have become Christians, even after we have dedicated our lives to Christ, say, man, I want what you want, God. I will obey you. Anybody ever screw up after that? Oh, yes. We have breached our covenant. And it, often it can be, a, it looks like little things. Didn't quite tell the truth to big things. Now I hope those people just go to hell. That's a big one, by the way. We're committed to get them to heaven. Not be angry and send them somewhere else, which you can't send them anywhere anyway, so it's a little silly. You see, Samson completely breached the covenant, not just when he said, oh, my strength is in my hair. His strength was in God. He had taken a covenant to not touch anything unclean, but he did. To not drink alcohol, but he did. To not fornicate, oh, but he did, and did, and did. And God kept cutting him slack. The thing about chesed out of the Old Testament, this is what really throws some people, but if you look at, at God's loving kindness in his old covenant, it's very graphic there. There does come a time that God finally says, okay, if that's what you want, then that's what you get. And that's what happened to Samson right here. There wasn't anything more sinful about him getting his hair cut than there was, or sleeping with a prostitute or touching something dead. You see, all those things were in violation. They were in breach of his covenant. I made a covenant with God. There have been times that I've kept it better than other times. There have been times that I, out of insecurity or worried about what somebody would say, maybe I didn't tell them the whole truth. I didn't want them to be mad. Now, that doesn't seem like any, any big deal. But our covenant is, we're going to try to get people to heaven. You can't get people to heaven if you're lying to them. So this is a message about God and how God is going to continue to try to reel us back in when we make mistakes. Now, don't, don't think there isn't a lesson here from Samson. There is. There's a, there are some great lessons in this passage even. And you, you notice how he started out small with his line. I, I wanted to just skip over the small stuff. Our sermon title is Small Steps. That was a title I was given to, to share with you. And then I thought, well, obviously you didn't watch What About Bob, the movie, or we'd know these are actually baby steps. And, uh, of course, I would focus on that. But really, Samson didn't even take baby steps. The guy just jumped off a cliff right off the gate. I mean, it's just like... And so have we at times. But let's look at just the last series of lies. That's the small steps, so to, so to speak. The small series of lies is he said that his strength had to do with being tied up. And then something else being tied with something different. And then it had something to do with his hair. And finally he gets to saying, it's if you cut my hair. I want to stress again, his strength did not come from his hair. His strength came from God. Your strength does not come from your natural ability, your talents, and your good looks. <laughs> i got news for you. It comes from God. And the power that we have in this life is not to leap large buildings in a single bound or kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass, <laughs> which is, I should have said of a donkey. 
because there's been some stories that compare the killing a thousand people with the jawbone to an ass, um, to preaching. <laughs> that was just for you, buddy, and for Dave. That should have been for you, Dave, but because uh, I want to say it before you guys say it back at me. Um, no, the Samson's strength was in God. His lack of strength was in breach of covenant. Does that make sense so I can go on? You see, if you sit there and you kind of have a dead look, I assume I need to belabor that point for another, oh, shoot, till noon. But other, other than the fact that I'll grow hungry and need to feed this, I will say that we all have fallen again, fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned, but so here you go. Don't do what Samson did. He rationalized his sin. I got away with it. I'll get away with it next time. In fact, the very last, it's, he even says, he assumed that because he'd always been able to jump up and destroy the enemy, he would be able to this time as well, and he was not. They took him away. They gouged out his eyes. They held him in captivity for a long time. His hair finally grew back, which, by the way, just because his hair grew back because nobody would cut it, did not put him back in covenant with God. God chose to use him again. That's God's graciousness. Even when we are not good in of ourselves, God still wants to use us. And he did Samson right to the end of his life. He used him again. But I want you to know, as you, as you think of your own life, I, let me talk uh, to all of us. I, this, this passage is for everyone. Every Christian needs to look back at the old covenant, see how God acted, and say, what is the covenant that I'm in, and am I keeping my terms? Well, I'll tell you, I have found in my life that there's never a time that the enemy isn't coming after me. Have you found that to be true? We have an enemy that is more powerful than we are in, our, in and of ourselves. This is why I love the passage of Scripture that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All he's saying is, greater is he. God, through his Holy Spirit, who is in you, is more powerful than the evil one, Satan. You with me? Don't kid yourself. You, on your own, are not more powerful than the evil one. And there was a rousing amen from the crowd. A rumble. Or said, Thank you. It's like... But there are times we get a little cocky. We've made mistakes, and we got away with it. So we make another. We get away with it. And pretty soon we get away with it so many times we don't even think of them as sin or mistakes. It's just who I am, and this is what I do. And that's kind of what Samson did. Little by little, he seared his conscience, not realizing the evil one was attacking him all the time. Now, we can say it was the Philistines, and for him it was. For us... It's a spiritual battle. The new covenant has spiritual rewards and a spiritual battle. And you're in it. Satan will come. I tell this, to, here's what I tell the young preachers and the old preachers, if they'll still listen. There'll never be a day that Satan isn't coming after you. There's never going to be a moment that there's not going to be a temptation. By the way, this applies to all of you. <laughs> But I talked to these young pastors that I'm coaching, and I said, and if he can't get to you, he'll go after your wife. And if he can't get to your wife, he'll go after your elders. And if he can't get to your elders, he'll go out, and 
but he'll come back to you this afternoon. He just doesn't let up. And neither does God. That's the cool thing. Yes, you're going to be tempted. Yes, you're going to want to live with your emotions. This is how I feel. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that so sarcastically. This is, this is how you feel. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how I feel. What do I know to be right? Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and I think, I don't, I, actually, I'm just so thrilled that I don't know a lot of you. So are you. <laughs> but do you know how to enter into the new covenant? See, for Samson, it was because he was born into it. But a lot of people don't understand that it's, it is obeying Christ. And so we've said it very simply, so let me just over, let me give you an uh, overview. You've got to believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, and God raised him from the dead. We're commanded to repent of our sins, which just simply means have a change of mind that leads to a change of action. I can't change the fact I'm a sinner. That's not the point. I can't forgive my sins. I don't even want to think about them most of the time. I serve a God that can. I'm going to try to do better with his help. Scripture says in Romans we're to confess him before others, to profess him as Lord. To not be so bashful that we go, no, 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 no. I know baptism is a big deal. Different churches have different opinion. I don't care. What does the Bible say? Over and over, repent and be baptized. Acts 2.38, for the forgiveness of sins and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to go a little further because we're talking covenant. Being in contract with God. Let me, t- let me give you, run up to 1 Peter 3.21. So what does that have to do with Samson? Everything. He was in covenant and yet he breached it. In 1 Peter 3.21, it says that baptism is the pledge or the appeal. It means oath-swearing ceremony. Let's put it in it. Back to your car. Back to our car contract. At what point did the car become yours? So you might have even been driving it before you did this, but it became yours when you signed the contract. Baptism, when we have someone baptized... There's no magic in the water for crying out loud. It's water. Somebody says, what, what, would I, what will I feel when I get baptized? And because I'm very spiritual, I say, wet. <laughs> he, he didn't promise you a feeling. He promised you that you're signing the contract with him. He's signing with you by forgiving your sins and giving you the Holy Spirit. Boom! Don't take it for granted, Christian. We are in covenant. We are to remain in covenant by sharing Jesus with others, by loving others, by remaining faithful. This story and this story is not about Samson. It's not about you and me. It's about God. And we serve a God that looks at us and he knows that we've made mistakes. And I've certainly done my things and you've done your things that God has, had <laughs> God has every right to give you what you deserve but you don't want it. I'm so grateful we serve a God who's full of grace and mercy and faithfulness and as the Old Testament word chesed, working for our success. And you know what? He was still willing to work for Samson's success even though he repeatedly 
fell off that. He, he didn't just take baby steps. He kept jumping out into sin. Hey, this will be a big one. And maybe some of us have done that too. And I know there are those that come to church and those that won't come to church that believe that somehow they've been too bad, they've done too many wrong things that God can't forgive them. If there's ever a reason to look at the life of Samson, <laughs> you look pretty good next to him. But it isn't him that we're putting ourselves up against. It's Jesus, the one who loves us more than anyone else. If you've had a struggle this week, this month, and yet you're a believer in Jesus, and yet you've been struggling, I don't know whether it's pride or lust or something else, give it back to Jesus. Rejoice in the fact that you serve a God that can even use Samson, and he will use you. And then quit. <laughs> There's a video. Sorry, this just came to mind. Wish it wouldn't have. There's a Bob Newhart video where he's a psychologist, and this gal comes in. She says, I just have this fear of being buried alive in a box. And you know his answer for her? Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. And she says, you mean I, I shouldn't think? He says, just stop it. And I just wonder how many times God has looked at me and said, Bob, stop it. <laughs> yeah, but I feel really good about it. Stop it. If there's an area of your life that you haven't given over to Jesus, I want to say, stop it. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'll tell you what's wrong with you. We're humans. But we serve a God who is perfect. So anyway. If, you've if you're struggling with an area right now, would you please turn it over to God? If you've never committed your life to Jesus and said, man, i got to get in on this contract. i got to get in on this deal. Then you need to talk to some of us here. Let's talk about what the Bible says, not what we say, but what does the Bible say? And then let's move forward with that. I love the Redwood family. Thank you for showing up today, even though some of you knew I was going to be preaching. <laughs> You're really a gutsy group. If Samson were here and he was the one giving testimony, he would say, I blew it. I blew it over and over and over. But God still had a purpose for me. And if Bob Wood were here in front of you, he'd say, I've blown it over and over and over, but God still was willing to use me. I just had to say, I'm here. 